Hey, everybody, this is Culture and Convictions. Yes, it is. I am Iron Petrie, along with my wife, Star Petrie. We are so glad to be coming to you another time with another podcast. Man, listen, um, I know that you're listening to this podcast. And of course, if you push play, you kind of already know what we're going to talk about because you've probably read the description you've probably looked at what we have in our uh, in our description and our title. But what else is there to talk about with our world in such turmoil? Yeah, it's amazing. We go from a pandemic to just uh, fire blazing all over the place in various cities. Um, yeah, quarantine is over. Quarantine is definitely over. Yeah, people done. are not concerned. There's no masks yeah. out there. Well, there's masks, but there's there's people so close to each other. It doesn't even really matter. Yeah, it's like the mask. <laughs> you know, you got a cloth mask on in a crowd full of thousands of people yeah. and y'all rubbing shoulders. It's it's pretty much done deal. Uh, not the way we would like for uh, us to come out from what we've just went through with COVID-19. But uh, we've got a lot to talk about in this podcast. We've got a lot of things to jump into. And uh, once again, we're talking about race. I mean, race is here again. I mean, here it is. And it's, it's front and center. And I, I'll, I will be so glad when we can put this to rest. <laughs> but, but as long as we continue to have riots and as long as we continue to have um, all of, of the all, all of the chaos that, that surrounds this this boogeyman, called race we're going to continue to have these issues we have to have an honest conversation we really do yeah and in an honest conversation meaning that it's going to be uncomfortable sure it's going to be offensive for some because all division and this is the thing that i've learned all division whether that division be along racial lines gender lines class lines or any other line that division is always perpetuated and supported by lies somebody's believing some untruth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's just the bottom line of it. Yes. It's the truth in a division in a home, in a relationship, period. Wherever there's division, there is some type of false assumptions, presuppositions. There are lies. There are things that we believe that aren't so. And uh, when it comes to the perpetuation of the idea of race and racism in this country and what it has done to tear at the very fabric of our nation, uh, is supported by a lot of stuff that we don't like talking about. We, we we like speaking at it, but we don't really talk about it. And we don't have honest conversations that may mean hurting feelings sure. and dealing with people's assumptions and uncovering things that we're holding on to. And uh, on this particular podcast, as well as many podcasts, I mean, this this subject getting new to us. Of course, we've been talking about this now for the longest. Yes, sir. We bring this up because we really feel like it is the devil of our day. It's the devil in our times. Uh, and we've got to deal with it. We've got to deal with this in a spiritual uh, manner, from a spiritual perspective, from a biblical perspective, from a godly perspective. But we also have to speak to it practically. Right. Because that's where everybody's living. And so I hate to see it. I know you hate to see it, but we've got to talk about it and we've got to get into some things. So I want to start off talking about Amy Cooper and Christian Cooper. Um, Amy Cooper was the dog walker in Central Park um, who had her dog off a leash. And Christian Cooper is the bird watcher mm-hmm. uh, who happened to call her out. And so I, I, we'll start with this video and then we'll continue with the conversation. Christian Cooper is a Harvard graduate, a pioneering comic book writer and a biomedical editor 
for health science communications. But a lot of America was introduced to him this week as a black man who asked a woman in New York Central Park to leash her dog while he was trying to bird watch. And it was met with this response. Sir, I'm asking you to stop recording me. Please don't come close to me. Please take your phone off. Please don't come close to me. And I'm taking pictures and calling the cops. Please, please call the cops. Please call the cops. I'm going to tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life. There is an African-American man. I am in Central Park. He is recording me and threatening myself and my dog. I'm being threatened by a man in the Rambo. Please send the cops immediately. So joining us from New York is Christian Cooper, uh, and from L.A., his sister, Melody, who posted the viral, uh, the video that went viral. Welcome to both of you. I mean, <laughs> you're walking in Central Park on Monday. You come across a woman uh, and her dog, uh, and the dog is not leashed, supposed to be on a leash. So take us from that moment forward. Sure. Um, the Ramble is an area of Central Park which is protected um, because there's a lot of wildlife there and a lot of delicate plantings. So it's posted all over the Ramble that dogs are supposed to be on the leash at all times. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, we've had a problem with this for many, many years, and people think, oh, well, you know, it doesn't really apply to me. So we've been fighting for a while to get enforcement. So I'm walking through the park, and, and this dog is tearing through the planting. And so I say to the woman, excuse me, ma'am, but, you know, dogs in the ramble have to be on the leash at all times. The sign is right there next to you. And she's like, yeah, but, you know, where the dog runs are closed and he needs his exercise. I'm like, okay, I get that. And you can take him across the drive to this other part of Central Park right over there. And you can let him run off leash all you want outside the ramble until 9 a.m. She's like, yeah, but that's too dangerous. And I'm like, yeah, it's evolved from there. Until finally, a, a lot of us have been reporting these incidences of, of scoff law behavior regarding regarding the leash laws, and so I right. pulled out my phone to document it so that we would have you know some evidence of what's going on in the round book. And she didn't like that. Uh, she didn't want to be recorded, and I was pretty adamant that as long as the dog was off the leash, I was going to keep recording. So. That's when she said, if you keep recording me, I'm going to call the police and tell them an African-American man is threatening my life. And I'm like, whoa. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, at that point, I was faced with a decision. Do I capitulate to that attempt to use uh, race to leverage what she wanted? Or do I sort of stick to my guns and keep recording? And I really kind of decided consciously I'm not going to participate in my own dehumanization. I'm going to just keep doing what I'm doing as if I'm anybody else, and she's going to have to do what she's going to do. A small interaction, I would say, um, but one that ends up turning someone's life upside down. And, and you know, and, and I say that because, no, it may not have been small at the, at the moment, but ultimately I think all of us can say we've made poor decisions and we've done things that we really wish we could take back or have said things that we really wish we could take back. And it's an unfortunate thing that, that the young lady would get upset like that and uh, call the police and, and feign some type of emergency and, and put on all kinds of airs as though she was in immediate harm because there was yeah. an African-American man. Um, but the reality is that we... None of us, I think, can sit back and say we've never either lied or leveraged something in order to get something else. Oh, yeah, definitely. And so I, I, I just 
I'm always kind of like, you know, we try to make these teachable moments, you know, we, especially now in today's culture where social media is, is at the ready, right? We've got our phones, we've, we're, we're recording this, we're going to post it, it's about to go viral, and then everyone gets to weigh in with their opinions. Um, but this young lady, immediately, I think thereafter, lost her, lost the dog, uh, lost her job. Yeah. Um, and irrespective of anything that she probably could have said, I mean, she could have come out in sackcloth and ashes and, and asked the world for forgiveness. And there still would have been those who, who felt like an immediate uh, response had to have been taken, which is what Franklin Templeton did. I believe she's a hedge fund manager there. And so I, you know, I, I just have some mixed emotions about this whole thing. I think it's an unfortunate situation. Um, but, but certainly I, I don't know. I, I don't know about people, you know, losing their jobs and losing their dogs. And I, you know, I just think that, you know, if there, if there was a crime that had been committed, then let's prosecute that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, but if the issue is just simply that someone, you know, called the cops and was trying to create a story, then there's there's laws for that. You know what I mean? There's yeah. there's a way for us to handle that. I just don't think that social media lynch mobs um, should make that call. Yeah. And, and I think people, people who are deeply invested in perpetuating a a race narrative for every unfortunate interaction between black and white people, I think they they like the power of being able to create such a vortex on social media that sucks, <laughs> that sucks everybody in and can really, really rip apart a person's life. Um, but people need to think about the fact that that, that same media vortex exists for anybody that will do anything that is caught on camera that we're going to be displeased with Absolutely. because it, it doesn't have to just be black and white. It could have, it could have been gay and straight. Sure. Right. It sure. could have been oh, it, it could have been uh, any other, any number of lines that we've drawn in society where we've kind of sectioned ourselves off into these groups and this group identity that we have nowadays where people aren't individuals anymore. We're really parts of groups and we're really tribal. Mm-hmm. That's really what's happening in our country. We've become very tribal. And so uh, it could have been any other line. And regardless of what happened, things can happen in a moment where people are in an interaction with this woman here. You know, what she does, of course, is obviously she's trying to leverage things in her favor by calling him African-American and, and acting no, as no though doubt. that's <laughs> that's going to be some type of game changer for her. Correct. And should have scared him and shocked him and made him, you know, run off and leave her alone. But no, you, you're doing you're you're being disobedient to rules. Right. He was in the right. You know, I mean, he's just telling her, put the dog on the leash. Uh, yeah, exactly. You put the dog on the leash like you're supposed to. And uh, and at the end of the day, once again, it could have been along any lines. And if we're willing to allow Twitter and Facebook and all this to be able to tear apart people's lives, people need to think about their own life. Because I'm telling you, things happen in a moment. They sure do. Right. And you're out at the grocery store and everybody's got a smartphone and you get into some type of interaction or altercation with somebody and they put that thing on blast and it gets shared or something or other. And before you know it. The mob is after you. Mm -hmm. And now you need to ask yourself, do you want your life torn apart for a moment of emotional, emotional outburst or a moment of imperfection or a moment when you're less than your best self or whatever, whatever you want to call, however you want to name it, you know, a moment in the flesh, (laughs) 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 you know, you know, whatever you want to call it. it. Right. And, and we have to recognize that racism is a sin, but it's not the unpardonable sin. Right. And we're going to have to we have to start recognizing that we can't just keep trying to make 
because we, we really are. We're very selective in our society. You know, we're very selective about what we want to we want to put on blast. And we know what gives us social currency as well. Right. And we know what we know what allows us to to take a, a giant leap on social media. And I, and I know this gentleman didn't do that, of course, because uh, his sister, I think, was the one who shared it. He didn't he didn't even share it. And so it seems as though he was treating the altercation as just an unfortunate altercation. Sure. And he was going to he was going to record it for evidence. Right. right? And so which is a smart thing to do. But uh, when his sister shared it, it became national news. It became a really big deal. And for those that are, like I said, vested in constantly keeping up a race narrative, because from what I understand, this woman has another story where uh, a former uh, friend of hers or a coworker, I think a gentleman says that she actually tried to, uh, uh, well, actually he was a former colleague of hers that he, that she tried to ruin his life with a bogus lawsuit. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's a story in the daily mail. So you may be dealing with a woman who is somewhat, uh, you know, emotional to those. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You may be dealing with somebody who's really an emotionally unbalanced, unbalanced person. Sure. And this person is kind of, that's her thing, right? When she gets in a pinch, she gets, she gets busted or she gets in some, she starts pulling out all the little weapons of her welfare. Correct. (laughs) And this is, and this day she happened to pull out a race card and, uh, it just didn't work. But at the same time, I get what you're saying with the mixed emotions about the whole Twitter mob thing. Yeah. I don't dig that either. There's a, there's an article and it's called the science of uh, regrettable decisions. And it talks about how people go out and they, they do things that you, you would have thought based on education, based on, you know, their, the experience that they should have in their own personal lives, that, yeah. that they would think better of it than to go out and just say, I'm going to blow up my life today. Yeah. And I'm sure she wasn't thinking that. Yeah. I'm sure she went to Ramble Park and thought I was going to let my dog run around and mm-hmm. then we're going to go do something else. Yeah. And then suddenly that that turns little altercation dime, turns into my entire life being, the, you know, the, the rug being pulled out um, from under her. But yeah. I but I just want to pull out two things of that article. They talked about, you know, that there's this phenomenon that they've called brain shift. And it happens in two distinct situations, those involving high anxiety and those associated with major reward. So mm. either she had some anxiety and she could have because she's in the wrong. Yeah. Right. So immediately your your senses are heightened because I know I'm wrong. Yeah. But I'm just really going to I'm gonna stand my ground on this one or major reward. Yeah. And they say under these conditions, all of us would do something just as regrettable as the headline grabbing stories that we see, contrary to what we tell ourselves. But phrased differently, we don't consciously decide to act a fool. Rather, once our perception is distorted, we act in ways that seem reasonable to us, mm-hmm. reasonable to us, but foolish to observers. Mm-hmm. And I think that's exactly, I mean, I'm, I'm trying mm-hmm. to throw her a lifeline, really. But I think that's exactly, <laughs> you know, honestly, I think that's kind trying of. Trying to rescue her from sinking, from the sinking, uh, what is it, sinking deep in sin. No, huh? and I, and from I, from well, peaceful shore. <laughs> and, and I say that humbly because, like I said, none of us, none of us. No, man. Can, can sit back and say that we've never said something or intimated something that wasn't improper or untrue or i mean man if if people have phones and this is what it's it's somewhat equivalent to i mean well she took it a step further by attempting to call the cops on the man but at the same time if if we had video cameras posted to youtube and facebook and instagram and twitter of what people say in traffic (laughs) when when people are getting cut off 
If we no knew the doubt. names, people were calling one another across racial lines, gender lines, yes, you name it, uh, cultural terms and slurs. If if we <laughs> if we had it, and so and I and so that's why I say I hear what you're saying in terms of okay, yeah, this this woman clearly has some issues, and uh, but at the same time, what transpires from her job because see, this is the thing about corporate America. Uh, the corporate America is, they are so ready to practice the art of preemptive surrender. They will, they will cut anybody. anybody. Oh, brother. Cause they're like, yeah. you ain't going to have no lawsuits coming this way. You're not going right. to be having us. And they can say, well, it doesn't represent our morals, our values and so forth and so on. And that may be true. But at the same time, they're also thinking about bottom line. They're thinking about attention. They're sure. thinking about they're thinking about whatever is thrown at her could get escalated and bounce back to us and redound to us as a company. Sure. So you know, because there are people out there in this world that are litigious, and they they would look at Amy Cooper and say, "Shame on you, Amy!" But we really want to. But sue we Frank know where Templeton. the money is. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Exactly. You know, <laughs> that's what we, we know really. Where the money you know, is, so right? you, so at the end of the day, people aren't so concerned about her racism. They're no. concerned about the leverage it may give them. And that's what makes a lot of these issues even more complex and compounded Absolutely. because people will feign outrage, but they really ain't it, concerned about that. Tit for tat. Yeah. It's like, oh no, we, we see what we can angle to get there. <laughs> hey, man, you work for Franklin Temple. Oh yeah. That whole joint racist. You know, <laughs> and next thing you know, I'm serious, baby. <laughs> this is everybody. how this works. I'm telling they gonna you. They're going to get Jane Elliott and everybody oh, else up in that Everybody point. and their mama going to descend on Franklin Templeton <laughs> and they're going to be shelling out some cash. Yeah. And uh, and it's it and it and it snowballs like that so many times because there is such an investment in race and racism yes, in this country. It's and a lucrative business. Absolutely. But I wanted to point out something before we move on from this story because in the process of the video, and this is the thing about video that we just got to get honest about. We only know what happens after record is punched, right? Sure. We come to conclusions many times. Uh, about something that has been transpiring before. But like, uh, from what I understand, the man had said something to her. Now, he didn't seem like a very threatening individual, but he says something to her when she's got her dog, when he's when he's talking to her about putting this dog on a leash and doing what she knows she's supposed to do. But he says something to the effect of, well, you're not going to like what I do next. And he uses this line because he's going, because he's got these treats, right? And he's right. going to feed the dog. But does that line... That line sounds incongruent with wanting to feed a dog. Like, you're not going to like what I'm about to do next. Well, if I hear somebody say that to me, I'm like, well, what are you about to do next? Right. You know what I mean? And so right. we have to recognize that emotionally it's, people are triggered in different ways about different things. Absolutely. And so there's, there's a little something going on probably before the actual footage we saw happened, sure. right? And, uh, and, and I, just, I just want people to recognize that and, and understand context. And, and at anything, we've got to learn how to make sure that we have proper analysis of things that we're not always seeing through this racial lens because it compounds things and makes things just so much worse. And then, you know, let us at least, you know, we can't be more outraged about it than Christian Cooper, the man that actually was involved in it. And he said any of us can make not necessarily a racist mistake, but a mistake. And to get that kind of tidal wave in such a compressed period of time, because remember, all this happened like in a day. Oh, yeah. Like that video went viral. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, yeah. She's having to give up her dog. She loses her job. And so he they says banned her from the park or something for a lifetime, yes, didn't they? Or they were contemplating. It's it. just like, what is going on, people? But it's, but he said it's, it's got to hurt. It's got to hurt. And I'm not excusing the racism, but I don't know if her life needed to be torn apart. 
Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, that's a very true sentiment. And people don't want to spend a whole lot of time on that. They obviously want to talk about the fact that, oh, she just, oh, oh yeah. she said he was African-American. And look, at look, 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 look. Oh, but exactly. people's lives are torn apart by a, just an indiscretion, a, a bad choice, a mistake that I'm sure, looking back on it, she'd readily take back. I mean, I'm just saying, I think she'd readily take that back. Oh, yeah. To get her job oh, back, to have her dog back. Oh, you bet. To be an Amy Cooper that nobody really knew except exactly. for those that, that were associated with her. You know what I mean? And now her life will never be the same. It'll never be the same. It will never ever be the same. And she will carry that with her a moment in the park where she didn't get into a fight with anybody. No. But a moment in the park where she, her life is now turned upside down. And that's one of the things, and I like the, the way that you brought that in. I'm glad you, you brought up what the man said because here's this man on obviously a very uh, reasonable human being mm -hmm. because he's thinking through the whole thing and he's trying to, to give her the benefit of the doubt of saying, look, we're not, I don't know if, if the punishment fit the crime It's mm -hmm. really basically what he's saying is like, look, I don't forgive the racism, but at the same time, guys, come on, this woman's life. And isn't that the thing about us in this culture? Well, like I said, we are so divided and we're so vested in race and racism. And we're always looking to use it to leverage. It kind of reminded me of <clears throat> when Botham Jean's brother forgave Amber Geiger in the courtroom. Mm -hmm. And people were just outraged. They were just like they wanted to. I mean, they called the young man names. Sure. They were calling it Stockholm Syndrome. And he was he was this, that and the other. And my thing was like, you mean to tell me all of you sitting in the cheap seats of their life, of that family's life. Are more hurt than his own brother. Right. Really? Right. Really? Really? So, 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 so the man you didn't know before this crime even existed, right? Means more to you than the brother who grew up with him, loved him and knew him. Mm -hmm. But see, that's the investment we have in race and racism in this country, because there are those who are invested in it for leverage. It is not about the stamping out of something we consider evil. It's actually become quite lucrative and useful. And so, that's the thing I've always been saying. If we don't want to deal with that aspect of racism, we're never going to get rid of it because that's the aspect that gives people that are interested in such an incentive to keep it alive. Mm -hmm. They will resuscitate racism if it's dying yes, they will. <laughs> because it makes them money. It gives yes, them leverage for other things. And these are the dangerous things that have cropped up in our society around the subject of race and racism that keep these things snowballing so great. And here we are in the middle of an absolute storm right now. As sure. we're doing this podcast, Minneapolis is burning. Atlanta, part of Atlanta is burning. Mm -hmm. We've got so much going on the in White this The White House nation. is on lockdown. Yes. I mean, there's there's some craziness going on. And, and you guys know what we're referring to. Um, well, the, no doubt. the unfortunate circumstances surrounding uh, George Floyd and the loss of his life. Um, there's not a whole lot that we can really say about it other than, you know, obviously there, there's some real issues with, with the, the callousness um, that Officer Chauvin uh, displayed that day. Mm -hmm. But not, not only him, but the, other, the, the three other officers that were with him. Yeah. Um, when, you see, when you see someone that's lying face down, that's that's cuffed and you know seemingly no threat when there's one against three yeah um you're, you're wondering what was the necessity of it all especially with the crowd and the cameras and, and that's the thing too because it's not as though they didn't know that there were cameras so they're yeah. fully aware 
of not only the cameras that are, you know, the closed caption video on the buildings, but also then the, the personal phones that are up and, and people are filming. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I'm really, I'm really concerned for America because we have, we have forgotten, we have, we have simply forgotten just how good American justice is. Oh, man. And I think that happens because we, we apparently compare America to utopia. Yeah, we do. And, and we forget that, you know, in places like China and Iran and Russia, people just disappear. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you oh, know what yeah. I mean? There's no, there's no grand jury. There is no trial. There is, there is none of that. No doubt about it. There, there's simply just a, we will get rid of you in That's Cuba. Right. We'll just put you in prison and forget about you and throw away the key. Absolutely. And you'll stay there until, until that person should, you know, find some level of, of compassion. Or and if they don't, then, you know, you can just die in there. Mm-hmm. So, so I think it's important for us as Americans, again, we've got to get back to understanding just how grateful we need to be to live in this country. And I, yeah. and I have a problem when people cast aspersions that this country is racist, that it's systemic and all of this stuff, it, because it truly compared to what? And, and that's always the question, right? Compared to what? That's always the question. And I, you know, like I said, the one of the things that that hurts us in America when it comes to things like this uh, is that our country really is. We're always, you know, we're judged different. This nation is judged differently because every other nation gets judged and measured to us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. But we don't ever get measured to anybody else. This nation gets measured to an idea and an ideal. We get measured to we get measured by this this abstraction in our heads. We to and of course we should be about the business of perfecting liberty here in this nation. But at the same time, it it really hinders us because people come along and when when a situation like this arises, uh, people are ready to burn down the whole system. Right. Like they're ready to throw away good and bad. That's right. They're <laughs> all in one lump. One, oh my one, gosh. Just, yeah. and, and they're ready to just overcorrect and they're not understanding that true change happens uh in in revolution happen and true change does not come from you tearing down what is good. Right. And uh, and I think in in the issue uh, of George uh Floyd and what happened with him <sighs> there is so much that we have talked about uh, when it comes to policing and specifically when it comes to policing and as it pertains to black people. Mm-hmm. Right. And we've made it a race thing. Right? We've made it a race issue and we've made it uh, an issue that once again, once you make it a race issue, whether people like to believe this or not, you make it advantageous for certain groups of people. Sure. Right. You Absolutely. make it you make it a case for leverage for certain groups of people. Mm-hmm. You don't you you don't once you make it about race, there is an entire industry. There's an entire world that surrounds racism and racial issues that benefit from it exploding. And that's why in many cases you're seeing what you're seeing. Yeah. Right. You're seeing people see a man lose his life senselessly in the street, which everybody agreed with Absolutely. from the white house to the last house on the street. Right. Everybody that saw that image 
was moved with the same emotion and came to the same conclusion across races, across, I mean, police officers all over the nation were putting together uh, PSAs and coming out and saying, look, what they saw was disturbing, Mm -hmm. right? And so everyone was in agreement. And so there was no, there was no substantial, significant kickback from anybody of any note, Right. You may have been some crazy person out somewhere else, you know, saying something. But everyone was in agreement and there was there was one voice. Everybody was pretty much unified in what they saw. But yet and still you see something that should be mourned properly. Justice should be sought properly, explode into rioting and looting and destruction and defacing of property and city on fire. Hmm. Cities on fire, some of the uh, people burning cars and buildings and and all of this stuff. But it happens because there are elements around these issues, these events when they happen that don't care anything about the victim. They don't care about George Floyd. They don't care about any of that. It is not about that black man's life. It is about the leverage that black man's life gives to them to act out contempt that they hold. There are actual groups who show up to create all this chaos and wreak all this havoc. And I want to I want to point us to a video. This is in Minneapolis and these are just activists. I don't have the name of this young lady who's getting ready to speak, but I want you guys to listen to this and then we'll come back and discuss it. The reason why buildings are burning is because this city, this state would prefer preserving that white nationalism and that white supremacist mindset over arresting, charging, and helping to convict four officers who killed the black man. That is the reality of what we're dealing with. This is not just a few cops doing things across the country. This is not a good cop versus bad cop situation. This is Ahmaud Arbery being shot down by white men on the streets of Georgia. Breonna Taylor being killed in her home. This is in New York City where we were until freedom. We were just in New York fighting the police officers who in the name of social distancing were damn near killing black young people on our streets. This is a coordinated activity happening across this nation. And so we are in a state of emergency. Black people are dying in a state of emergency. We cannot look at this as an isolated incident. The reason why buildings are burning are not just for our brother George Floyd. They're burning down because people here in Minnesota are saying to people in New York, to people in California, to people in Memphis, to people all across this nation, enough is enough. And we are not responsible for the mental illness that has been inflicted upon our people by the American government, institutions, and those people who are in positions of power. I don't give a damn if they burn down Target. Because Target should be on the streets with us, calling for the justice that our people deserve. Where was AutoZone at the time when Philando Castile was shot in a car, which is what they actually represent? Where were they? 
So if you are not coming to the people's defense, then don't challenge us when young people and other people who are frustrated and instigated by the people you pay, you are paying instigators to be among our people out there throwing rocks, breaking windows, and burning down buildings. And so young people are responding to that. They are enraged. And there's an easy way to stop it. Arrest the cops. Charge the cops. Charge all right, so we know that they they have done that. They've 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 at least arrested one one officer, and they're contemplating arresting the other three. So I want to go back to some of the things that she talked about, and I I'm, I'm I understand people get emotional and people feel very strongly about things, but there are things that just cannot be overlooked. Um, pointing to mental illness, um, and putting that on the shoulders of the American government. Hmm. I don't understand that. No. Um, telling Target that you shouldn't be concerned about the fact that we're burning down your buildings. Get out here and just walk with us and march with us. Or pointing to AutoZone because they happen to sell car parts that they had a part in the uh, situation with Philando Castile. My God. You know, I think we, we have to be, and we've had this conversation before about the power of words and and how loose people become with their tongue mm. and and they're willing they're willing to to just blaspheme they're willing to to talk about and slander anybody and anything and ultimately there is no there is no reason for anyone to go into any of these cities and burn loot steal because guess what they're not going to be there once it's all over no, they won't. Right. When the fires are put out, <laughs> when the media coverage leaves, it's going to be the residents of those cities who decide to stay, who are going to have to rebuild. Yes. It's going to be the people in that city that then pay the price as the tax base completely dries up because people truly usually say, I- I'm out of here. I mean, if this is what we're going to do and if this is how things are going to be handled, I'm not sitting up here and building again. Mm. I'm going to go find some place where there's some stability. Because I, I don't I don't have enough to go in and, and do this all over again. So I think people need to really think long and hard about what they're asking for and how to get it. Because, you know, the thing that these that these areas have in common is that a lot of Democrats are running around in positions of power. A oh, lot of God Democrats knows. are making are making the calls. And so, I you know, God bless her. Like I said, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and try to rain on anybody's parade. I just I just feel like sometimes. It's very irresponsible. Oh, it is. It's irresponsible to the to the tenth degree. Um, at the end of the day, I don't want anybody because from what I understand from what she's talking about, she's a part of a group. She just talked about just leaving New York, uh, protesting there. So evidently, she's a part of a what is it? Until justice or until uh, some some particular group, mm-hmm. right? And this is kind of what they do. I definitely don't want third parties coming into my community telling me why my place is burning Amen. if you don't live here. Don't, don't tell me why my place is burning because there is no justifiable reason for why my community is burning. Because once again, you're going to sit here and burn down people's livelihood. People have built businesses. There was, there's a building there for low income housing. I believe that was on fire. Uh, AutoZone, Target, all these places have nothing to do 
what is being what has happened in this country before or with George Floyd. Nothing in the world, nothing (laughs) in the world to do with that. Because AutoZone sells car parts and Philando Castile was shot in a car. How do you make the psychological connection? How do you do it? To to cast guilt upon AutoZone Six degrees of for that. But once again, it is race. And I'm telling you, when we look through the lens of race and racism and in that division, like I said at the beginning of this, it is always supported by heresies and lies. Mm-hmm. It is always supported by bad logic. It is always supported by a lot of misconceptions uh, and assumptions. Always. Always. Because no person can make that connection. And they are burning down these people's livelihood. And, you know, that I'm pretty sure... I don't know because I don't live in Minneapolis, but I'm pretty sure there were some black people employed at that target. I'm sure. I'm pretty sure that there were some black people who had their cars serviced at that, at that auto zone. I'm pretty sure there were some black people who found benefit in a lot of stuff that was on fire in that community. Right. If not make playing major roles in it, I don't know. But I know that at some point black people were benefiting from these businesses and you're going to sit here and you're going to displace people. And once again, I, I, I just I, I have no tolerance for third parties swooping in. Like I told you, here they come. Here they come. Here like they come. I'm telling you because it's an industry. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, you're dealing with something that's much bigger than the events you see. There is an industry that earns money, that gains notoriety, that is connected in ways that nobody sees to powers that be that come swooping in like buzzards and vultures. And they sit here as third parties and start telling you why your stuff is burning. <laughs> really? And why you should be mad, too. Really? Mm. Right? Really? And, and, and look, I, I have no tolerance for it. I have no tolerance for it because it is self-righteous. It is grandstanding. And it is opportunism. Because you are sitting here taking the life of a man. Died senselessly. We all agree. Sure. But you are sitting here taking this man's life. And propping yourself up on it. And you can't tell me otherwise. Because you don't run around burning stuff up when you have righteous indignation over an injustice. Because righteous indignation is targeted. Mm -hmm. It is singular. Mm -hmm. You don't get things twisted when you get upset for real. Right? If something happens to you and you've been unjust or victimized, your focus is on the injustice. You don't start pulling in all kinds of innocent people. (laughs) <laughs> and start burning their stuff down and making them pay because that's unjust. Right. The very nature of an injustice is the arbitrary imposition of a cost on an innocent person and or people and or group or anything. Mm-hmm. And so here you are imposing a cost on this city by burning it to the ground. And these people had nothing to do with it. Nothing in the world. These business owners, these businesses have nothing in the world to do with it because it's opportunism. And it's an opportunity for anarchists and, and these groups like Antifa and all the rest of them to come swooping in and make a mess and set the whole city on fire and then run off after this is over and hide their hands like they weren't throwing the rocks. Right. And it's a sad state of affairs. And, and I would like to see us bring the focus back to what we say it's about which is reforming and changing policing because making it about race obscures what needs to happen, right? Making it about race changes 
how we need to approach things. I, I want to share this, and, and and we can move on, dear, because I know I'm, I'm kind of I'm I'm getting on my my uh, soapbox about this. But if you look at the numbers from 2017 to 2020, the number of people shot to death by the police in the United States of America. In 2017, there were 457 whites shot by police and killed. That same year, there were 223 blacks that were shot. In 2018, there were 399, almost 400 whites that were shot by police officers. And in that same year, 209 African-American. And it's declining as it goes. So in in 2019, however, there were uh, 370 uh, shootings in which police officers killed a white person and 235 were black in 2019. So consistently over the course of two years, and even in 2020, of course, 2020 is not complete. And so the numbers are 42 whites have been shot by police this year and 31 blacks have been shot by police this year. In the in these statistics, what you see consistently, right, whether these shootings are justified or not, I'm not trying to pile it on cops right here with this. I'm just trying to prove a point. So, so stay with me. You see every year there are more whites who are having interactions with police that for whatever reason or another lead to a fatal shooting, mm-hmm. right? And not just a few more, hundreds more. And it's consistently higher than blacks and consistently higher than Hispanics and others, right? But tell me the last time, if it's about policing, if we're talking about policing and looking and investigating police and how they operate and act, why do we never see the fatalities of white people in their interactions with police? We never see it. We only see it when a black person is the person who is killed. Well, you know, those statistics don't go the way of the narrative. So they don't go the way of the narrative. <laughs> so we're not concerned about policing. Then we're not concerned about bringing to light. Maybe we need to change what's going on. Maybe we need to look at training. We need to increase the training. Maybe we need to look at psychological profiles. Maybe we need to look at how they handle stress. Maybe we're not thinking about police. We're thinking about race, right? So it's all about race because we got because we got upwards. If you add them all together, we got over thousands of white people been shot by the police over the last three years. So many more than blacks, but we've not heard much at all. There's even a story uh, happened here in Dallas, in Dallas, Texas, actually, uh, of a young white kid who who died in police custody. Oh, gosh, I, I'm, I'm going to have to post the link. Look, look at the link in the description. I'm going to have this this in the description so that you can can look at it. But he died very similar to George Floyd mm-hmm. because but in this particular case, the cops, there were several of them. They had handcuffed him face down. They had put their knee in his back and they held it there for a while. And the young man began to complain of not being able to breathe. He was he felt like he was he was dying. And they said at least 30 times he was crying out to stop because he couldn't breathe and he, they were smothering and they were suffocating him. And he was and he was, you know, pleading for his life. Well, he went unconscious. And when he went unconscious, the lawyer of the mother said that the, the officers, because they thought he fell asleep, which I don't understand how you could think somebody fell asleep when you're being <laughs> when you're being apprehended, crack jokes about it. Wow. Now, once again, this is a. Talked about when he wakes up, you know, getting him some breakfast or something or other. They made light of it, right? 
And these officers were handling a white person. They weren't handling a black man. Sure. This was a young white, a young white man. But we did not hear the story, right? So the issue is not policing. The issue is whenever we have something that fits the race narrative, we're going to use it to incite racial animus because we know we can control the masses and we can spark outrage. Absolutely. And we sit here on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram from the likes of preachers, politicians, professors, teachers, professionals, and we get sucked into the emotional vortex. And we start writing long, eloquent prose and, 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 and start really, oh, you know, just really vamping about the whole thing. And oh, my gosh. And it is sad. What we saw was sad and unnecessary and senseless. But people, please wise up to what you you are being played. It's just the honest truth. You are being played with race and racism ad nauseum and there are groups that are invested in keeping it as such and until we rescue our righteous mind from being sucked into this stuff we're going to walk around here and we're going to reverse and degrade race relations Hmm. that we're getting better for the sake of some narrative that people who are invested in race as a business keep pushing on us they want you to believe they just want you they want you to do it and I, for one, like I said, I refuse. I, I can't stand it because it is evil personified. You got cities on fire, people losing their livelihood, people losing services that they probably enjoyed because race is big business. And people don't want to hear it. They don't want to talk about it. But I'm going to tell you because I've seen enough of it. That's why our American cities are on fire. They're not on fire because these kids are angry. They're mad. These kids are opportunists. They don't have nothing to be angry about. They running out here stealing phones. Yeah. They breaking in the target to go to the pharmacy to see if they can find some type of drugs. They're buying, they grabbing flat screens and, and appliances. Yeah. Really? How can you be concerned about a man's life when you're looting? No. You're not concerned about somebody's life looting. Come on, come on. And I'm, and I'm telling you, we're being, we're being played, America. Wake yourself up. If you are black, you wake yourself up and, and think reasonably about what's going on and seek justice, yes. But recognize when you are being sucked into something much more, much more sadistic and sinister to create in your mind this idea that race is growing up around racism is growing up around you like grass like oh my god I don't know what I'm going to do because they want us to see everything through this lens of race and through group identity mm-hmm. because that is what the powers that be are invested in in controlling the masses and and make no mistake about it make no mistake about it we are in an election year and they're going to use this to no end to try and curb people's interests to vote the way they want them to vote. And it's serious business, people. It's serious business. Yes, I'm on my soapbox about it because it's <laughs> evil. Very, and you, you know, very passionate about hey, it today. It's evil. It is evil. No and doubt. it must be stopped. No doubt. So, you know, one of the things that I want to remind people is just in all of this, we, we end up impugning, just as, as we talked about, we end up impugning, even the good people, 
who who yes. certainly are working in favor and, and want there to be justice, want there to be swift action, want there to be um, uh, want to be able to be honest brokers between the citizenry and, and the justice system. But when we do all of this, we create so much chaos and, and people become so mm, suspicious yes. of everything Yes, that no matter what is done, people are still going to be like, I don't know, you know, they over there just, they still just trying to, you know. So everything becomes almost irrespective of what we do, even by grand jury convening, charges being brought. If, if, if things don't pan out in the way that we think they should, then automatically there's, there's an issue. And we know that America, again, this just reaffirms that America is racist. Mm. But I want to make sure that people understand that it's, it's, not, it's, it's not racism, guys. It's, it's, it's moral bankruptcy. Come on. And we have, we have created this. We have, yes, we have. We have contributed to it. Because every time we get on there and we tweet and we talk about what needs to happen and what needs to be done, as though people are are just like they they know they they can stand there in all righteousness and good and good mind and tell us what needs to happen and yet don't do anything truly. These are some of the same people that don't even go vote. And yeah. there's elections coming up Come right on. around the corner, and they're going <laughs> to be at the that. house. Say that. But yet they want to tell everybody else that it's important that you get out and you march and you protest. Here's the deal: that irrespective of what people will will put forward, America is a wonderful place to be. It is. If it wasn't, it people is. would be leaving here by the droves. And yet people continue to stay here. And they'll get on social media and tell you it's the worst place ever. Mm-hmm. And they can't they can't imagine uh, that any place could be could be worse off. But but we all know that that's a lie. You you very much enjoy the comforts of, of these United States. Is America perfect? No. No. But we're not perfect. And that's America to where. <laughs> Thank you. And and America is not this inanimate object. America is us. It is. So if we don't have trust in, you know, amongst ourselves, if if we're if we're constantly going out of our way to find a means to leverage something on behalf of ourselves or our family, then we're going to be at odds with each other. And make no mistake about it, guys. It's it's about power. Mm. And it's it's about how how do we how do we ensure that those who are vested with power remain within the bounds of that authority That's and, so true. And, and don't try to override that. And so even in this situation uh, with Mr. Floyd, I think, I think the issue is one of a, a, an attitude of an almost callousness that's, you know, people become jaded yeah. and that job can lend to that because you see the worst of people and you begin to see everybody the same way. And I think anybody... And- if, Go I'm ahead. sorry, dear, but you, you really I'm, I want you to pick up what you said, but I want to interject that you really do become jaded, especially when you're someone like this particular officer who had a, a history of citations against him. Yeah. And, I mean, and complaints leveled against him. And you get these complaints leveled against you and nothing really happens to you. Well, what is left but you to be jaded? There you go. Right. Absolutely. But that's a failure of leadership. That's a failure of leadership mm-hmm. up and up and down the line. Hey, you know, but I'm just hey, you know, I'm just talking. No, 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 no. But that, but that's true. And, and no, you could, I know it is. You could say that even, even with the riots. I mean, what, what Mayor Frey could have done differently. I, I mean, he, he could have asked for help earlier. I mean, you know, you could have if, if the police no all, if it. you knew that the riots were getting out of control, that's when you go to the gov- the, to the governor and you say, "Sir, I, I'm going to need the National Guard to get here, not mm-hmm. tomorrow." 
I need them here today. We got to yeah. get this taken care of. But there are, there are plenty of things that happened, I think, in this entire scenario um, that it just, it was poor leadership. It was it, bad policy. It was, it was, you know, people overlooking things that they shouldn't have overlooked. Yes. But this is why we have to hold people accountable. And you can't got hold to. people accountable if you're not civically engaged. You can't want to get engaged after the incident. If we were civically engaged in, in the politics that, that really govern our lives, then, then there's ways and there's, there's means by which we can mitigate these kind of situations. We really can. Oh, no doubt about it. And I think you said that very eloquently and, and, and strongly. And I, you know, I'm just, uh, as you can see on this particular podcast, I got a little passion about myself. I'm, I'm a little lit. I'm just going to be honest because once again, there are so many forces at play that complicate justice. Wasn't it Socrates who said justice if we only knew what that was? If we only knew what it was. Right? Because there are a lot of things that are at play in our world that really do complicate the pursuit of it. And and sometimes those that complicate it the most are those who are the ones out there preaching about it. <laughs> right? And talking about justice and justice and justice. And they all in the way. They're all in They're the way. They're all in the way of in justice. Way. And so I want to appeal to cooler heads and reasonable minds, right? To say, look, people, there is an issue, yes, afoot in America. We've said it on this program. We love the police. Thank God for the police. We need the police. Absolutely. Who wants to live in a world without Absolutely. any type of law being enforced? Nobody, Nobody. wants that. Nobody. Nobody wants that. I don't care who you are and where you're from. Nobody wants that. But there are some things that need to be addressed in terms of policing and how we police. But we can't be looking through the lens of race at everything because it makes us broad brush and make broad strokes. It makes us put everybody and lump everybody into one group. Uh, I was listening to people talk, you know, and they were getting up at these press conferences. Of course, there's been press conferences aplenty uh, and, and people getting up and talking about, well, if you ain't with us, you against us. If you ain't on my side, you on the wrong side. <laughs> and it's like, I love when people make these, these very strong judgments about people, right? based on what, what they want them to do in this non-judgmental uh, society. I'm just going to guilt you. Right. <laughs> right. We, we're in this age where now no sin you commit is something that you should be judged for. Right. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. You can't judge me. Don't judge me. You can't judge me. And that's all we talk about. We, it's like ad nauseum. But now when people stand up, oh, they're judging everybody. Mm-hmm. If you ain't, then you ain't. Then you're not this and you're not that. And if you're silent, if you just silent, you quiet. You ain't even said nothing. You you guilty too, right? And that's when you know people are in their self righteousness. It is not about justice. It is about it's a, it's about promoting this this self aggrandizement, right? It's about feeling better about myself, and um, it's got to stop because these are the things that complicate a pursuit of justice. We get in the way of the justice we say we seek. Absolutely. And so we're going to have to really calm down. Absolutely. And we're going to have to think these things through and we're going to have to make sure that we are, are, are aware of the, the players and the people that are at play in a lot of these things because we are getting sucked into things where we are getting played. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you we're getting played. I wanted to make this, uh, I wanted to say this and then, babe, I'll give it back to you to close or whatever you want to do with it. But like I said, I'm going to put the link in the description of this story of what happens to this young man in Dallas, Texas, because people need to see this. The young man's name was Tony Tempa, and he died in police custody after a 911 call for help. 
uh, and the body cam video was finally released after a three-year legal battle. You want to talk about rush to justice? <laughs> this this was three years, and after a three-year legal battle, three years, this this body cam footage was released for this kid, and it is showing officers cracking jokes as this young man is dying in their custody. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be on the Guardian. I want you to see it because, and the only reason I'm doing this, doing this is because, y'all, we have got to rescue our righteous minds out of racism. I'm sorry. You've got to get your mind out of that mess or it's going to have all of us, as Dr. King said, an eye for an eye leaves everybody blind. And that's all that this stuff creates. That's all it creates. And all of the lawyers and, the, and all of the different entities and institutions around it that benefit from it, you're going to have to start thinking like a human being. You're going to have to start living like a human being, like an individual with a mind and a spirit and a life that is yours to to be a custodian of and a mind that is yours to guard because there are being plays made to co-opt your mind. Hmm. (laughs) I am telling you. And you got to stay out of the media. You got to get yourself together here, saints. And those of you that are Christian, those of you that are not Christian, listen, you 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 do it too. <laughs> because like I said, I'm, I'm so stirred up about this because it is one of the great evils of our times. And we've got to deal with it head on. And let's make sure, too, that we understand that community starts at home. I mean, yes. you know, we've we've sat back and we've allowed a lot of people, I think, to uh, to lead us astray. Um, celebrities politicians, activists, um, but the greatest, you know, the, the greatest way to fight against all of this indoctrination is right there at home and yeah. the ability to have honest conversations, um, to not frame things in race for our children um, and even for, for those around us, that we, that we provide some, some amount of um, levity about situations. And, yeah. we, and we absolutely, we take a rational approach as opposed to, to jumping to conclusions and, and especially, especially on social media because God, everything, yes. just like you said, is, is present currency for whoever is out there spending it. Yeah. People are not out there, especially those who have something to lose and something to gain are not out there posting out of a sense of remorse or, or empathy for any life that's been lost. Yeah. They're posting because they know that in doing so, I make sure that I say I'm a part of it. I'm with y'all, yeah. but I'm about to curl up on my couch here you in know. my in my mansion <laughs> with my with my gated and private security. You know what I mean? You it's know, like, come on, guys. If you know what I said to you about social media, it's provided people an opportunity to do something when it ain't nothing. When it hashtag hashtag. When it ain't hashtag, nothing. Hashtag. You you ain't doing nothing. Not not a thing. It's, like I said, I, I am I am done with this this feigned outrage, man. Because it just it it. Yeah, it just gets under my skin. But anyway, that has been and is the conclusion of Culture and Convictions on this particular podcast. We're not near done talking about these things. Uh, A subject matter as important and as pervasive as racism and division in our country is something that has to be talked about. Uh, over time because there's so many different angles and so many different things to cover that uh, many times we just don't get into. We talk about it one time, we have this big blow up and big big brouhaha about it and then we kind of go into our little hovels and start living our lives again. 
But sometimes there are things that we do need to address and be honest. Because indeed, if you believe in a creator God that created all of us in his image and likeness, then you believe in the brotherhood of all mankind. And regardless of race, regardless of color or creed, you believe that we are all brothers and sisters in him. And so we have to tackle it from that perspective. Right. And so this has been another podcast, Culture and Convictions. We hope to hear from you. Uh, Like, share, comment in the comment section on this podcast. If something was said that you agree with or disagree with, we want to get your feedback. You got any questions, any interaction from you. We would love to hear from you. So until next time, God bless.